This podcast is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Robots Radio presents Myth. The podcast where we explore the very soul of the human story. After a long day of travel, you take your camels and you hitch them to the posts at this little village on the outskirts of a, an area that you know you're going to have to get through in order to get to the next major city. Being a trader is difficult. Sometimes you have to travel long distances and over terrain that doesn't have roads, has no signs along the way. You and your companion have a number of camel and just enough supplies to get you to the next stop. But you're looking for directions. You know that this path is going to be treacherous. There isn't going to be a place where you can stop and get a drink, so you need to bring all the water with you. It's going to take a few days to get to the next town. And so traditionally, you've hired a guide at this village the last two times you've been through here and that has worked out well it's worth the cost it gets you where you need to go and you still haven't done this part of the trip enough times yet to really know the landmarks so you find a local guide and when you come across the guide he and his friends are talking you don't understand all of the words. You are far enough away from home now where you know bits and pieces of the language. But what you can make out is a story about some sort of creature or monster or lizard. Something, something in the desert. The desert worm, maybe? You're not sure exactly what this is. It is a little unsettling, but you've got your work to do. You need to get to the next town. So you hire your guide and you head out. This area of the desert is known for sandstorms and for unexpected weather conditions. It's also extremely dry. There is not a drop of water to be found until you get to your destination. So your camels are even more valuable. They are heavily laden with extra packs of water along with all of the items you hope to sell in the next town. These camels and the supplies they're carrying are worth their weight in your life. You could say gold, but gold would be a little extravagant. If something were to happen to these pack animals and you could not carry the water that you need, or you could not get these items where they need to go in order to sell them, in order to pay for your trip and make the money that you need to live off of, that would be your life right there. So you are taking very good care of these creatures as you trudge into the desert. 
As night comes, you start to hear the winds pick up. What starts as a nice evening breeze, wicking away some of the heat of the day, slowly begins to pick up. You look over at your guide, and your guide is very aware of the situation, scanning the horizon in the dying light of the sun. And in the distance, they make out what appears to be a haze. There's a strange color in the sunset. And your guide looks at you with earnest eyes and says, we need shelter. So you double your pace. You make the camels move as fast as they possibly can. You and your companion and your guide head towards some hills you saw off in the distance, hoping that you can find some sort of shelter. It is barren out here. There is not much in the way of trees or overgrowth. There's definitely not any human man-made structures. So your one hope is, can we get to a cave? Can we find an outcropping? And it looks like the gods are with you today because as the wind is beginning to pick up more and more and it's becoming harder to see, you stumble across the opening in the side of a hill where you can just fit yourselves and your camels into the crevice. You hunker down, you cover yourself with blankets, you cover up the camel's eyes, make sure that they are safe, and you get low in order to weather out this windstorm for the night. After a very long night with very little sleep, the morning sun breaks as the wind starts to settle and you start cleaning the dirt and the sand off of your clothes and off of your camels. And as you leave this crevice, this small indentation of earth that saved your lives, your guide decides to step away in order to scan the horizon to determine where they are and what direction you need to be going next. And when your guide turns back around, their eyes get large and you look at, at them and say, Hey, what, what, what is it? What do you see? And the guide points to the side of the cliff, the side of the, the hill that you were hiding in. And they say, dragon, you and your companion step out and you can see what the winds have revealed over the night in the very rock of the edge of this little crevice, this little bump in the side of a hill extending back from the area that you survived the night in is what appears to be the skeleton of a gigantic beast, a head and a very long neck and spines and what may very well be legs or feet and bones and odd structures. It's a dragon, all right, but it's not alive. Dragons in mythology can be found in cultures 
across the world, they are ubiquitous, we could say. Now, they're not necessarily in every single culture across the world. There are lots of individual cultures across the world. But you can find stories of dragon-like creatures in Europe, in Asia, in the Americas, in communities that are very removed from each other. And one of the theories as to why this is has to do with the misinterpreting of fossils. Because we did have dragons on this world at one point, and it was millions of years ago. And the dragons that walked the earth may not have had four legs and wings like a classical European dragon, but they were serpentine. Many of them looked like reptiles. And ancient people who came across the remains of these creatures, the fossils which had turned into rock over millions of years, would not have necessarily known that they were looking at something that had lived so long ago. Imagine, imagine that you are from a culture where you have no understanding of the true history of the earth. You don't know how animals evolved, how they changed over time, the fossil record, DNA, none of that stuff you're particularly aware of. But what you do know is when you come across the skull of a very large creature, the size of a man, the skull itself, the size of a human with gigantic teeth, and it is formed into the side of a rock, that that appears like magic. That appears to be something unique and it deserves a story. And you know you're going to talk about this. When you and your companions make it to the next town, you're going to confirm that this desert does in fact have worms or dragons or whatever word the commoners use to explain a gigantic lizard. And you found proof because you saw the bones. You didn't come across a living one, but you saw the bones. And you might even associate those bones with... The weather with the storm that you just survived. Maybe there was a conflict in the night between giant worms and this is the one that died. You don't know. All you know is that you saw with your own eyes a gigantic lizard or snake-like creature in the side of a cliff. And that story spreads. That is not a story that people are going to keep to themselves. And not only will the people you will talk to share this story, but you as traveling traders will communicate this to everyone you come across. This is the news of the day. This is the most exciting thing that has happened to you in a very long time. You're going to tell everyone you come across about the dragon in the desert and about that terrible night. And that story will get bigger and more interesting the more you tell it.
In doing research for this episode, I came across a wonderful article at mythology.wikia.org. And thank you to whoever is contributing to these wikis, because there's lots of great information in them and sources and those kinds of things. And this episode, I will be pulling directly from that wiki article. They do a wonderful job detailing the different types of dragons across different cultures. And so we're going to dive into this right here with the etymology of the word dragon. And according to this article, it derives from the Greek word dracon, meaning a serpent of huge size, a python, a dragon. And that from the verb derkomai, which means to see clearly. The related term dragoon for infantry that move around by horse yet still fight as foot soldiers is derived from their early firearm, the dragon, a wide bore musket that spat flame when it fired and was thus named for the mythical creature. The uncommon name Dagon, D-A-E-G-O-N, usually used in ancient writings, also means dragon. Now, the dragons that we are most generally familiar with in Western society are of European origin. A typical example would be dragons from Catalonia, Catalan dragons. They're depicted as serpent-like creatures with two or four legs. And this is something that gets debated a lot. Why not a wyvern? A wyvern? Whatever the best way to pronounce that is, I'm not sure. Um, People will often get in arguments on the internet about dragons have four legs and wings. Wyverns have two legs and wings. So in movies like the Lord of the Rings, like uh, in the Hobbit or in the um, Game of Thrones movies, that those are actually wyverns. They're not dragons. And they may not be dragons in the typical European shape, but overall we can use the word dragon to mean anything with a serpent-like neck a reptilian head, wings, and some sort of body, and maybe not even wings. In some cases, they're just worms. But let's get into this a little bit. It says here that female Catalan dragons are named Vibria. Their breath is poisonous, said to be capable to rot anything or anyone it touches. In French legend, dragons are referred to as dragoons. In Italian legend, more exactly in Sardinian myth, a dragon named Skoltone is mentioned. This dragon had the power to kill humans with his gaze. It's said that it was immortal, resided in rural, underdeveloped land and country areas. So what about dragons from Asia? Chinese dragons are more snake-like than European ones and are generally depicted and portrayed as benevolent beings. Though there are exceptions in both cases, such dragons are also depicted in varying shapes, colors, and sizes, with some similar to the fairies of other cultures. Japanese dragons are very similar to Chinese dragons, but have three claws instead of four, usually are depicted as being benevolent and golden in color. These types of dragons are usually perceived as signs of good luck in Chinese culture. Then we have Norse mythology, which has become a little bit more popular lately with movies like The Avengers and heroes like Thor, who comes from Norse mythology, and also games, video games like God of War, which originally was based in Greek mythology, but now, because of the most recent one, has 
dug into Norse mythology. So in Norse mythology, lindworms were serpent-like dragons with either two or no legs. The world serpent, and I'm going to take a stab at this name. I think it's pronounced Jormungandr, but I could be wrong, (laughs) is depicted as a giant snake with attributes of a dragon. The poem Voluspa states the being Neohagr is a dragon. And again, I'm probably mangling these words, so I apologize if this is closer to your own language than mine. Another being described as a dragon is Fafner from the poetic Edda, which was a lindworm. Dragon heads adorned Viking longboats in order to strike fear into the hearts of enemies on raids. Then we can go back to Greek mythology. In Homer's Iliad, Agamemnon is described as having a blue-colored dragon motif on his sword belt and a three-headed dragon emblem on his breastplate. Ares has two dragon sons who guard his sacred forests. In Egyptian mythology, Apep, also known as Apophis, was a divine serpent or giant snake. Apophis is supposedly the mortal enemy of Ra, the sun god. Then there's Hindu mythology, in which draconic serpents known as Nagas are prominent and are usually equated with cobras. They are usually neutral beings, but are often portrayed as benevolent rather than malevolent. Now, this isn't a total and comprehensive list by any means. There are dragons and cultures in Indonesia and other places in Asia, but then even in the Americas. In North America, the Payasa bird of the Illini people was sort of dragon-like in its appearance. Then you have Mayan mythology with Kukulkan and Quetzalcoatl of Aztec mythology. All of these things could be equated in similar ways to dragons and dragon mythology across many cultures. Even in South America, you have Amaru, a dragon or chimera of Incan mythology. These ancient cultures all have something in common in that they must have been drawing at least the idea of the physical shape of these creatures from something. Last week, we even talked about Babylon, and there are even dragons that show up in Mesopotamian myth. In Sumerian poetry, great kings are often compared to Usumgal, a gigantic serpentine monster, a dragon-like creature with the four parts of a lion and the hind legs, tail, and wings of a bird appears in Mesopotamian artwork and the Akkadian period. Until the Neo-Babylonian period, the dragon is usually shown with its mouth open. It may have been known as the Umu, or Naru, which means roaring weather beast. The weather connection, right? And may have been associated with the god Ishkur. A slightly different lion dragon with two horns and a tail of a scorpion appears in art from the Neo-Assyrian period, which is 900 to about 600 BC. A relief probably commissioned by Sennacherib shows the gods Asher, Sin, and Adad standing on its back. And even in the story that we read last week, Tiamat is oftentimes portrayed as a dragon-like creature. 
So there are connections across all of this. Now you will notice that sometimes the dragon imagery gets mixed with other animals. You end up with more of a chimera, uh, something with like a lion head or a snake tail or horns or you know, other features from other animals. That's not uncommon to have the mixing of different similar animal archetypes in mythology. And that's fairly common, but this, the idea that there is this fundamental similarity across dragon-like creatures, giant monster-like creatures of great power, mystery, is something that is almost universal. Thanks for tuning into our second full episode of Myth. I am your host, Tom, and I welcome you here. I'm glad you guys are coming back for another episode. I hope you're enjoying the show. On some future episodes, we'll dig a little bit deeper into specific mythologies that mention specific dragons. But I wanted to go over dragons in an early episode because it's such an interesting topic. And it's something that, as I mentioned before, resonates across many different cultures. And that's something that I want to get to in in this show. That's one of the themes that's going to pop up is similarities between cultures. We'll talk about some of the differences too. But again, there's something fundamental to being human that brings us together and creates very similar ideas across very large distances. And I think that that's fascinating. So thank you for going on this journey with me, and I appreciate you guys being here. I hope you're enjoying the show. If you are interested in helping to support the show, then the best thing you can possibly do is tell a friend about it. If you're having a lot of fun listening, then please share it with a friend. And if you are an iTunes user and would like to do me a huge favor, if you leave a rating and a review on iTunes at the end of the episode, I will be reading out the review. And man, we've got a bunch today. So stay tuned for those. Those are always fun to go over. And thank you to everybody who took the time to listen to the shows, to to give me your feedback and to leave five-star reviews on iTunes. That is such a big help in getting a new show launched. So I really do appreciate it. Uh, in other news... This is part of the Robots Radio network of podcasts, and this is the first mythology kind of history podcast we have on the network. If you're interested in things like video games and some of the interesting stuff going on behind video games and stories and things like that, then go to robotsradio.net and check out some of the other shows. We have shows about the stories in video games, things like Hidden Pixels. Uh, We have shows about the lore behind Fallout and the Elder Scrolls games. That's a Fallout Lorecast and Elder Scrolls Lorecast hosted by myself. We also have um, deeper dives into the lore, like Written in Uncertainty for Elder Scrolls. And then we have some new shows that are coming onto the network and even some other shows that are storytelling, like the Chad Fallout 76 story. Um, so go check that out, robotsradio.net. There might be something that you find interesting on there. So the other thing to mention is that if you are looking to help support this show in any other way financially, which would be extremely helpful because that will help me keep doing these shows, (laughs) help paying for things. Um, That's unfortunately a part of just doing anything is you need to be able to make a little bit of money in order to make sure you can keep doing it. Um, But if you're interested in any of that, go to patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast and check out the different tiers. There's a bunch of stuff you can get and every patron, even at the tier one level, will get this show advertising free 
no ads. So that's just the simplest thing I can do to thank you for helping support it financially. Um, you, if, if you're paying for this, you don't need to listen to ads. So go check that out if you're interested. And now on to our iTunes reviews. So first of all, you guys are amazing. This is, this is amazing. There was an intro episode that came out. Then there was the first episode of the show, the first full length episode. And in less than a week, we already have 11, I have to mess up the words, I'm so excited, 11 five-star ratings, nine of which left reviews. And I'm going to have to go through here and read each of these in order to tell each of you, thank you for taking the time to do this. This is amazing. Thank you so much. This is such a big deal. If you launch a show on iTunes and in the first eight weeks, it gets enough downloads and enough reviews and ratings, then you can get into the new and noteworthy section, which means that more people can see the show when they search for shows. And that is huge in getting a show started. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I, I, I don't have words. Uh, thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so I'm going to try and get through these quickly, but, uh, I want to give them their own due time. So, uh, first of all, we have ghostius four twelve. Five-star reviews, great podcast. Robots is a great guy, and I love all of his well-made podcasts. Thank you, Ghostius. I really do appreciate that. Then we have ABP Finance, who writes, great pod, five stars. This guy is awesome. Well, thanks. Great show and fantastic insights. All of a sudden, my voice got all fancy. Fantastic insights. So thank you so much. I, man, you guys are so complimentary towards me. That's very nice of you. I really do appreciate that. Then we have uh, Seb one one three three four 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 seven two seven two six, who writes great show five stars. Not only am I learning about human history through this show, I'm also getting great and entertaining storytelling too. Robots and these these guys must be fans of my other shows because and I think I mentioned this on one of the previous shows on online and in games and things I often go by the by the name robots so um Thank you for being fans of multiple of my shows. I really do appreciate it. Robots already has some already worthwhile shows. So you know his take on myths is going to be fantastic. Well, thank you, Seb. I really do appreciate that. Then we have Ken4656 who writes, Tom does it again, five stars. I'm a nut for history and mythology, and this show tackles both in a clear and understandable way. Well done. Awesome. I'm glad I can do both of those things for you guys. And this show will continue to evolve as we dig into the material. And um, the more that I get feedback from you guys about what resonates with you and how you prefer for this show to be displayed isn't the right word uh presented to you i guess is what that means uh then we have urban myth 61 who writes wow i'm impressed five stars great voice insightful information high quality production engaging presentation i'm very capital capital word very impressed with the first full episode keep it up tom can't wait for episode two well guess what you get episode two right now thank you so much urban myth for for writing that in then we have Ashium, who I'm going to admit is a friend of mine. This one I actually know. And this is uh, a, a good friend of mine I've known since high school uh, named Chris, who is actually a uh, pastor at a Methodist church. Man, I hope I'm not giving too much away, Chris. People are going to look you up online now. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> so um, Ashium writes, I've only heard the first episode and I love the concept of myth and the story that reveals deeper truths about what in our identity is culture and what is human. 
Very cool. Uh, Myth is good. Five stars. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. I appreciate that review. Um, Then we have Brandroid who writes and another one. Five stars. Another fan of some of the other shows. One more great production from Robots Radio. Not only should you listen to this show, but the network's other great programs. Well, thank you, Brandroid. I really do appreciate that. Um, Man, some, some of you guys are just so nice to me and I really do appreciate it. Uh, then we have Mark, uh, I'm sorry, Lord Marksman, uh, mythology, five stars. I absolutely love mythology and can't wait for this show to start diving into the gods, Greek, Roman, Norse, and more. Keep it up. Oh, we will get to the gods. We've actually started with the first episode about some of the gods and took a little bit of a side detour to talk dragons, there be dragons, but, um, yeah, we're going to get to all sorts of really cool stories about the gods. Don't you worry, my friend. Then we have uh, Sparky72235, who writes, Great start! Exclamation mark. Five stars. It's not often that a new podcast shows up and sounds so polished. Where did this guy come from? Um, I live in Florida. Uh, If this is just the beginning, I can't wait to see where this goes. Me too. So (laughs) thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Thank you for that review, Sparky. And um, man, thank you for all the kind words. And I really do appreciate any feedback that you, that you give me. If you have any critiques or concerns or anything like that, shoot me an email at myththepodcast at gmail.com or shoot me a private message on Twitter at, uh, at podcast myth. I had to do that one backwards because myth podcast was taken and man, I wish I had myth podcast. That'd be great on Twitter. If anybody knows how to get that account, let me know. Um, and then if you want to join us on the discord where there's currently a lot of conversation about the other shows, video games and stuff. But if you guys start showing up on the discord because you're fans of myth, I will definitely, well, you know what? I'm just going to do it today. I'm going to set up a, uh, channel where we can discuss mythology and all sorts of stuff that comes up on this show. So if you're interested in joining that conversation as well, you'll find a lot of really cool people in the discord. There's already a few hundred people who jump in there every day and chat about things. So there's show notes. There's a link in the show notes. You can check that out. Also in the show notes at the very bottom, I believe there's a link for leaving a voice message to me. So if you'd rather reach out to me with your voice, you can just click that, especially if you're on mobile and just kind of open up a link and send me a voice message on your phone. Um, and if you would like to get your message on the show at the end of the show, go to robotsradio.net and check out the Jumbotron feature where you can pay to put your own message on the show. So for example, if you want to send something to your best friend, or if you'd like to advertise anything on the show, you can use it there. The prices are very cheap, especially when it comes to advertising, especially because this is a new feature. So go check that out. Let me know what you think. And thank you again, everybody, for tuning into this episode. I can't wait to get into even more really cool myth stuff in the future. And until next week, be careful where you travel because there be dragons. Man, that was super cheesy. All right, I'll see you guys later. Bye. Thanks for listening to Myth. If you'd like to send us a note, we'd love to hear from you at myththepodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at podcastmyth. If you'd like to support the show, please tell a friend or leave a review on iTunes. Or if you'd like to help us out financially and experience an ad-free version of the show, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash myth underscore podcast. Thanks for listening, and I hope to hear from you soon.
Have you ever wondered how deep the Elder Scrolls lore rabbit hole goes? Have you got a grasp of the basics and want to find out more about the universe? Written in Uncertainty is here to help you. We'll be mixing in philosophy, theology and whatever other theory is useful with Elder Scrolls texts to untangle some of the biggest questions in the series, like what are Dragon Breaks, how does Chim work, where did the Dwemer go and more. Check us out at writteninuncertainty.com or find Written in Uncertainty on any podcatcher. Thanks for listening and catch you later in the grey maybe of Tamriel.